Hi, I'm Archie Curry. And I'm Dee Curry. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and it's my joy to be with you on this Sunday, November 20th, to share the Lord's Word. You know, it's a really exciting time for us at Word of Hope. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary last Friday, Veterans Day. What an amazing opportunity that was. And to top it off, this Thursday is Thanksgiving, so we've just got a lot to be thankful for. With that said, let's take a moment and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Almighty God, Thank you for the amazing gift of life. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for everything. God, we just want to open ourselves up to you today with an attitude of gratitude, humbly grateful for all that you've done. Come speak to us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Please open your Bible or Bible apps to our text today, Luke chapter 12, verses 15 to 48. Now, that's a really long passage of Scripture. And we're not going to read it all at one time, but we'll be looking at several parts of it as we go. You know, I really do love Thanksgiving. It's one of the happiest days of the year. It's a special time for families and friends to get together and enjoy each other's company and share in the abundance of food that's available to us. Back in 2009, Jeannie and I traveled to the Philippines and the island of Mindanao. We were visiting missionaries there. After spending several days in the capital city of Davao, one of the missionaries took us to a tiny coastal fishing village called Talokonga, about a three-hour drive from the city. As we came into the area, it was readily apparent to us that this was a very poor community. When we arrived, we met the local pastor and her family, along with several other families that were part of that church. We had brought with us several 50-pound bags of rice and had the extreme honor of distributing them to these folks. And they were so thankful. I mean, that was just the common response and the actual phrasing was that they were humbly grateful. Now, the pastor, Pastor Mercy, told us that they and their church families often went days without even rice to eat, and that they were grateful, though, to the Lord nonetheless. You could literally see the joy of the Lord on every face because they all knew and had seen firsthand that God, Jehovah Jireh, was indeed their provider through every high and every low. This was maybe the most genuine faith and confidence in the Lord, the most genuine joy that we've ever seen, no matter where we've been. It's amazing. Even if we hadn't come with the rice, their faith was real. Their joy was real. It was tangible. And it wasn't based on what they had or didn't have. It was just truly awe-inspiring. But that phrase, humbly grateful, has stuck with me since that trip. Sure, I hear people say occasionally, I'm grateful or I'm thankful but I rarely hear people say, I'm humbly grateful. Maybe that phrase expresses what Thanksgiving really ought to be. And so that's what the title of the sermon is today, Thanksgiving, Humbly Grateful. As we consider our blessings and think about the many things that have come our way, surely we've got to come to the point where we're indeed humbly grateful. Much has been given to us, therefore we have a tremendous obligation to respond in kind. I think that's what Jesus is saying in Luke 12. Let me sum it up for you. You can follow along. You'll know exactly where I'm at. In these first few verses, Jesus said that God knows us and cares for us. He knows us so well, in fact, that he even knows the number of hairs on our head. 
Now in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he begins to talk about greed. He says, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured on how much you own. In other words, we may have a lot of things, but life is not measured by how many things we have. Then Jesus tells a very familiar story. It's the story of a rich farmer who had been blessed with a bountiful harvest, not just one year, but for many years, and this was the best harvest of all. I'm sure he was thankful for it, but he was also greedy with it. So he decided to build bigger barns and store away the grain. In verse 19, he says to himself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God calls him a fool because he made his provision for everything except eternity. Then Jesus ends that story in verse 21 by saying, Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. In the next few verses, Jesus tells us not to let worry or anxiety ruin our lives. He talks about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field and how God cares for them and that we are worth much more to God than that. In verse 31, we're told to seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he'll give you everything you need. He concludes in verse 34 by saying, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Then he changes the subject slightly and begins to talk about his second coming. One day he'll come again, and on that day it will be unexpected. Verse 40 says, you also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Meanwhile, until that day comes, Jesus says that God is going to hold us responsible for what we do with all the things that God has given to us. In verse 42, the Lord asks, Who then is the faithful and wise manager? Jesus says that God expects us to be faithful and wise in our stewardship. And if we are, then Jesus said in verse 44, I tell you the truth, the master, that's God, will put that servant in charge of all he owns. So if you're faithful with what you've been given, you'll be given more. And that brings us to the major text for today. Look with me at what Jesus says in the last half of verse 48. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Now, it makes me think of that old classic hymn, the song, Count Your Blessings. There's a part of the chorus that says, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. This is the week in particular when we make it a point to remember our blessings and to thank God for them. Regardless of your position in this life, I'm convinced that all of us have been given much, far more than most people of the world. And so in God's sight, we should be humbly grateful. I'd like to take some time right now to recount some of our blessings. Can we talk about it? First, I believe we've been blessed with a bountiful land. Each year around this time, we're reminded of what's happening in many of the countries around the world. We see pictures of starving people. We're told that on average, every 10 seconds a child will die of starvation. We're told that each day, 25,000 people, including more than 10,000 children, die from hunger and related causes. Did you realize that? While we are here, while you're here with me, with this podcast or the video or in person, while we're together, more than 2,000 people are going to die, not because of cancer, not because of heart disease, but because they don't have enough food to stay alive. Compare that to the bounty of our own land. Each year, the people in our nation give more food to those who are in need than all the rest of the world combined. We live in a land of plenty. 
We've been given much, and therefore much is required of us, and we should be humbly grateful. Second, we've been blessed with freedom. We talked a lot about that last week. When our men and women were marching off to war in Europe and the Pacific, freedom was a very important word to this country. We said it a lot. We are a people who have never known anything but freedom. We wouldn't know what to do if we didn't have freedom. We are free to come and go as we please. We are free to choose our occupation. We are free to come to church. No one will be forcing us or telling us what we can or cannot do. Therefore, we are humbly grateful. Why are we so blessed? Have you ever stopped to think about that? Why aren't we among the 2,000 who will starve to death during this time? Why aren't we among the oppressed people of the world, unable to move about in freedom? Coincidence? Luck? Happenstance? I think not. Our forefathers sailed across treacherous seas and carved out homes in the wilderness. They suffered and fought and died that we might be free. And God has blessed our land over and over again. God has given life to the seed and fertility to the soil. And today we stand in the midst of plenty because others have gone before us. Therefore, I am humbly grateful. And so should you be. We will never be able to repay those who have gone before, but we can fight and sacrifice to preserve what we have so that our children and grandchildren can share the same blessings. Third, we've been blessed as a church. I want you to think for a moment about the church as the body of Christ and we as members of that body. We have so much. As I said a moment ago, we are celebrating 10 years as a congregation. We are truly humbly grateful. We've got cushioned seats, air conditioning, this beautiful new building that we've been allowed to meet in. We've got lots of access to rooms here. We have musicians, elders, ministry leaders, volunteers, and willing worshipers. God has given us much, therefore much is required, and we are humbly grateful. You know, I wonder what a Christian overseas in Africa or China or the Middle East would think of us. If they were here and able to listen to our conversations as we would leave after this time together today, I wonder what their reaction would be. You know, it takes courage and sacrifice to be a Christian in many parts of the world today. Yet despite hardships and persecution, people still gather together in the name of Jesus, thankful for the privilege of being able to worship him. I wonder what they would think of superficial Christians complaining because it was too hot or too cold, or because something wasn't done right, or because someone didn't speak to them or call them or visit them. Maybe we have so much that we've come to see church as a place that serves us and not a place where we serve. If we're just sitting there saying, thank you, Lord, that we're not like anybody else, then folks, that is the ugliest form of thanksgiving because that is selfishness. We've been given much and therefore much is required and we need to be humbly grateful. We are compelled to fill our room every week with people who want to learn God's word. We're compelled to fill the seats with those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if we fail to see the obligation that comes with the blessing, then we are miserable people who have never seen the true joy of thankfulness. And fourth, we've been blessed with the good news of the gospel. Think about the gospel for a moment. It is good news, and most of us here today have heard so many sermons about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that we could easily tell it from memory. How blessed we are. 
And yet, while we're hearing the good news over and over again, there's millions who've never heard it. I have the privilege of telling you today that I am saved, not because of anything that I've done, but because of what Jesus has done for me and because someone cared enough to tell me about him. I am obligated, and so are you, beloved. We are obligated to prophets and apostles, to people who received the good news, who sailed the seas and crossed the land, to martyrs who gave their lives so that the gospel story might be told until finally someone told me and you. Truly, we've received much, and therefore much is required, and we should be humbly grateful. So let me bring this to a close. As you gather around your Thanksgiving table this Thursday with your family and with more food than you could possibly eat, realize that because God has given us so much, much is expected of us, and we are to become givers and sharers of that which Jesus has given. Several years ago, I heard a really interesting story about a young boy living in a European city at the end of World War II. He had been orphaned by the atrocities committed by the German forces. He was all alone and he had to scrounge around that ruined city as best he could to find food, clothes, and shelter. But nearly everyone was experiencing desperate times, and he found that people either ignored him or had nothing to give. Years before, he had heard someone talk about God and Jesus, but with the hell on earth that that war had brought into his life, he had long since lost what meager faith he once had. One cold morning, he was wandering down the street, staring into the windows of shops and cafes, he stopped outside the window of a small bakery. The smell of the fresh bread made his stomach ache with pain. He was so absorbed by the smell and sights of the bakery that he didn't realize an American soldier had come up and was watching him. And the boy hardly noticed it when the soldier walked on past him into the store. He did, however, see the large bag the baker was filling for the soldier with rolls, breads, and pastries. And the boy could hardly breathe when the soldier left the shop, knelt down, and handed him that bag, saying, They're all yours. Then the soldier turned and began to walk away. The little boy just stood there for a few moments, looking at the soldier with astonishment and gratefulness, and then started running after him as fast as he could. He caught up with him and grabbed his pant leg and tugged on it. The soldier stopped and turned around. The little boy asked, Mister, are you Jesus? You are never more like God than when you give. We have been given much, therefore we have much to give. And let that be our standard, this holiday season, this Thanksgiving and Christmas season. And may it be that way always for us. And may the Lord always find us humbly grateful. God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.